Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. All right, welcome everyone. Another podcast, very special guest and good friend, Joe Hashem over in Australia. How's it going, Joe? It's good to see you. It's good to hear you. We had a little technical difficulty. I don't know. Australia internet's a little little funky, but I think it might have been on our end. So I hope you guys can hear well at home. And and just to clear it up, Joe, great name. My son was named Joseph uh, as well. And you know, like I said like it wasn't directly off of you, but it was. Um, yeah, you know, we. I was thinking of people I know, and and Joe, it was, it was a it was a bonus. It was like a helper. I'll, I'll take some of the credit. Yeah, let's give it. Let's give it. Um, all right, so. A lot of you at home will know Joe from winning the main event in 2005, World Series of main event, actually defeating Steve Daneman, who still does my taxes. Funny enough, I've been using him. So shout out to Daneman. But I want to first give kind of dive in a bit towards the earlier stages. Tell us about yourself a little bit, you know, where you grew up. Um, just give us a little background on you and then we'll, we'll kind of dive into the poker and other stuff. But give me, give me Joseph Hashem growing up as a kid. Where, where were you born? When did you move to Australia? Give us a little bit of uh, background. Uh, so I guess the short version is uh, we moved to Australia in 1972 when I was six years old. We borrowed money for the, from the church for the, for the plane ticket to come out here. And that was uh, it was three years before the Civil War broke out in Lebanon. It was... We were, we were motivated by family because our, my grandparents passed away and three quarters of the family was already out here. So we just jumped on a plane and came and joined them. And to be honest, the best, luckiest move of my life. God knows what would have happened to my family in Lebanon if we were there when Civil War broke out. So short version, eldest of three sons started working at the age of seven. My first part-time job, crushing boxes for the local pharmacy, getting paid $2 an hour. Marriage when I was 23, graduated as a chiropractor, popped out four kids like M&Ms one after another. Wow. And uh, played, started, my first game of poker was around 13. Yeah, the, the folks used to play on special holidays and we used to sit back and watch. And then 13, we all got the courage to go, okay, let's have our own little game. Basically played since then. Was it was it no um, limit back then when you were thirteen years? Oh old? no no, it was like a it was a it was a, actually <laughs> a limit version of short deck poker, short deck holding. Interesting. Yeah, it was street by street. Was this when it originated? Hey? Was this the origination of short deck? We didn't even know it back then. Ah, probably. I don't know, but short but short deck or what we call strip deck poker has been around for a long time, a lot long before short deck no limit. Um, this was a fifth limit game, and it was sevens up. That's where I started, and uh, played some five cards, like some five cards, started early on. Um, in the late nineties, um, discovered Holden, and fell in love with the movie Rounders, as we all did. Yep. And then by two thousand, I had to give up being a chiropractor because my hands. I know, I developed some stupid condition. They still don't know really what it is, but it's it's not progressive, so I've still got it, but it doesn't get any worse, it doesn't get any better, whatever. I just can't use my fingers to poke with anything. Sometimes when I'm riffling chips, it actually, I've got to stop 
Is that, something, the, is that does that affect your texting? Like, do you think this could be something later in life? There's gonna like I'm worried my thumbs are gonna fall off uh, at some <laughs> point. But um, is that is it, does that does that bother you? No, not really. I, I don't text as much as you do. Okay, fair enough. All right. So you so you get out of college. Um, now you're not. So you have to stop this. And then what did you do once you were you basically your profession? You had to you had to change. I mean that's pretty it's pretty tremendous. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny how life works because. Right at that time is when internet poker started coming about, right? you know, and uh, so I started a little bit uh, playing online. By the time I left my practice in 2001, I was already playing uh, lots of poker on sites like Bloodbrokes, PokerStars, Paradise Poker, Party Poker. Um, and then I kind of, well, I decided I'd try my hand at um, – mortgage all i ended up doing was sitting in my office playing online poker all day so you know um how was the early joe hashem in poker were you winning online did you like seem to have a knack for it right away or was it uh were you just yeah i the the story the story goes like this in um in 2004 late 2004 i had a huge downswing and i uh, you know if i remember correctly i lost like um like thirty thousand usd playing stacks of 2-4 and sometimes 5-10 and 10-20 actually. And I lost, I remember losing like 10 or 11 in a row, basically, aces versus kings in one month. Whether we got it in pre-flop, post-flop, I just, and I I went to January and played what was then the Ossimians, but what, what is now the Ossimians, and I played like an absolute dog in the live games and, by the end of January, I was I couldn't even see straight. I was playing the worst poker of my life. So I decided my fitting punishment would be that for the entire month of February, I would only play two, four, no limit. And this was mainly on Ladbrokes back then. And I played no more than nothing outside of two, four, no limit. And I had 28 winning days straight. Wow. And I won like 28,000. By the time the World Series came along that year, I'd won 160,000. Straight, you in, in cash games mostly. Are you talking? Yeah, about yeah I did, wasn't playing tournaments back then online. Um, I'm, I'm just gonna flash then, over, flash over here to the Hen and Mob. Interesting enough, your first ever tournament you final table or well first ever cash that was august 2000 uh, at the crown so it was a pot limit omaha matter of fact which is interesting i didn't realize they had pot limit omaha tournaments back then so is that a game that was kind of popular in australia back then already or no it, it was like it's a cash game but only like it we only played it at 25 50 or or 5 10 uh wasn't like not a lot of people played it. It was only a select few. Uh, that cash that you just registered, that was my first ever PLO tournament. And I went into the final table with 30% of the chips. I had no idea what I was doing. It was just like, yeah. yeah. Just, oh, that, that's, it's funny. Just, how we just, for, yeah, you, you splash it in, you make a final table, you get a fourth. I mean, not a, you know, it's a smaller, it's friendly game buy-in, but yeah, a couple final tables early. How, how did you, so it's super interesting that downswing, you have an upswing and then you've never been. So 2005, was that your first time coming to Vegas or first time to the world series? Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was almost my accident because if my mate doesn't win a satellite package, then I don't make it that yet. It just, that kind of butterfly snowballed yeah. everything into like, Oh, he's going, he's going, he's going. I've got to come as well. You know, like, so. 
That so yeah. so you go over to Vegas. Uh, I think I might have read you were in California first. I I got some notes. I got my dad he gives me like breakdown on all this stuff. You go over to the commerce or somewhere in LA. You're playing, and someone said you're going to become the Australian, you know, phenom. You're going to win or something like some story along that line. I don't know if that makes sense or red, rings a bell. But do you remember playing in LA like before you went went to Vegas? Because I guess that's natural. You fly. Australia to LA. So you're there, you go check out a play a little bit there and then head to Vegas. What, what, what did you play in LA? Were you playing cash? So, I think this is our first time to America, four of us, right? And then we have a, like a five hour layover in LA. Okay. So the first thing we did is jump in the cab and go check the bike. First thing we did, like, <laughs> we just went on a 15 hour flight. Right? Yeah. And, uh, we, we had breakfast and sat in the game and I was like a 5-5 game or something. And, oh, where are you guys from? And, you know, back then, no one knew the difference between an English accent and an Australian accent, so they all thought we were British. Right. And uh, and I was playing, and my mates were watching, and, you know, oh, so you're here to win the World Series, are you? No, actually, I am. <laughs> and that's how, yeah. But uh, there, were, there were so many, the two weeks of my life that year, there were so many things that happened and that were said that were just like, I don't know. It was uncanny how the, the comments that people made, you know. Just the energy was there. You were ready. It was ready. It was yeah, ready yeah. For the but, and going back to what I was saying before, I was on that huge upswing. So I came to Vegas. I was Superman. You know, like I, I was pumped. I was playing great. I was confident. I had plenty of money. It's, you know, we, we talk about this to people all the time, about how, you know, when you actually, when you come from a place of strength, it's so much easier to do what you want to do, you know. Whereas when you're coming from weakness, it's almost impossible sometimes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're tired. If you're not rested, you don't, you're not confident or something's in your life, distractions. I mean, I think that's now so you see so many times. I mean, I'm guilty a lot. I'm on my phone. I'm not really present. You know, if you're dialed in, you're feeling good, you're rested, you're excited, you're confident. It's a, it's a huge deal. Yeah. And and also, you know, just looking here again at the Hen and Mob, uh, pretty cool site that tracks, you know, history, all the stuff starts blending together. But you had got a 10th place finish in a 1K. So was that how many of it? Did you only play one other event at the World Series? Yeah. A couple. Because, I mean, that's – so you're more up. You know, it's a big field. You basically make the final table in a 1K with fifteen or uh, 900 people, 1,500 rebuys. So really like 2,400 entry essentially mm-hmm. tournament. And you, you, you bubble the final table. But, you know, that had to get your juices flowing and kind of like confident that you were able to go deep. Because you're not – in Australia, a lot of those Melbourne fields and stuff, you're playing buy-ins or tournaments. It's like, what, 100 guys, 50 guys, 200 guys. You're not really playing mm-hmm. like – thousand person tournaments in the main events yeah, sure. so you must have felt pretty good i felt great i remember s- sitting at the cage and standing at the cage collecting my money and i turned around to my brother and i said give me two weeks playing with these guys and i'll, I'll tell you what I, i'll show you what i can do and uh the the thing that uh stands out that i remember about that time is that coming from Australia, which is a small player pool and you know uh not world-class players, I and mean, then going to America and playing, and I got the chance to play with some players that I'd, I'd, on tele, I'd seen on television, So, and I just learned so much just in that one event, like playing with them, it was amazing, so I thought, geez, if I can, you know, play with these guys for a bit and learn some more, God knows what I can, you know, what I'm capable of. It's it's so it's so crazy. So so how many days rest did you have? You play you play the one tournament, is that right? You didn't play another one. Did you have one other one? You play the one K and then how what date does that end? What day is it? It's like 
I mean, look, it says it actually says right here is July fourth. So when I guess it started, right? Yeah. So that means you must have played three days if you made ten, maybe day one, day two, day three, and then did you literally hop in the main or did you have a little break or what? Because like, how, how did that work? I played day one ace. So whatever day one ace started is when I played. So you basically were fresh out of the tournament. Maybe it was the next day, even the same yeah. day, or you bust. You just hop right in, and now you're in the. Yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't have been the same day. Maybe it was the next day. Okay, so it must have been the next day. Pretty crazy. You go in. I mean, it's got to be so exciting because you know this is like. The moneymaker era happens. Raymer, this is the absolute peak of poker. It's on ESPN. Your first time in Vegas. Your mates are there. Did they all? How many of them played the main? And, he, and the other ones played too. So one, one, uh, two, two, two or three of them played the main. Two of them played the main. So they play the main, and what's going through your head? I mean, how many – let's just – honestly, it's insane. It really is. Like, the fact to win a main is just the coolest thing ever in poker, obviously, uh, and not many people get a chance – are going to have a chance to do it in their lifetime. But just kind of walk us through this process. It's uh, going on 15 years, $52 million prize pool. You end up taking it down. There's 5,600 entrants. Give us a little bit of a mindset. You, you won a World Poker Tour event now as well. We'll talk about that the following year, I know, for – a big score, 2.2 million Bellagio. Um, but how do you approach the main event, especially someone, you know, an amateur, if you will, or not playing professionally or not playing a lot of tournaments? How do you prepare to walk into that tournament? Do you, do you look at it day, hand by hand, day by day? Are you like, what's your preparation look like? Do you go late? Do you start on time? Tell us a little bit about your your main event and that one in particular. Um, one story that I like to tell is when I walked in day one AM to my table, I sat at my table and realised there were two thousand people in the room. I just thought to myself, "What am I doing here? Like, how am I going to get through this field?" Right? I was lost my mind, seriously. And then, within like a couple of minutes, I kind of sat myself out of it. The other two, the other. 1,990 have no effect on you at the moment and just worry about this table and play your game. And that's basically the rest of the tournament. That's where my focus was, on my table and my table only. You know, I tried not to let other factors, other, you know, other tables doing, who had the chip lead, you know what was going on. I tried to focus on my table every day that I played. And, that, and you know, it actually it helped a lot. It helped a lot. It made a big difference. And I saw you you bag because it's it's a little bit it's it's tricky with the chips because back in the early days of the main event, you know, big big well, it's it was going before that obviously, but of the television coverage, ESPN, you start with ten thousand. So the stack size now you get forty or fifty thousand. I think even sixty thousand. You know, the chips are different, so it's kind of hard to equate it. But you finished, I believe, day one. I think I read. I, I was seeing the different chip days. You finished pretty well, with like double average. I think you had sixty-seven or something. You know, you got off to a pretty good. Nine, I had ninety thousand day one. Day one, 90,000. So you get off to a pretty hot start. Like, uh, that's, yeah, that's 9x, right? That's, that's yeah. big. That's big. That's yeah. like that. So if, there, if it's 59, it's like having, yeah. So you had, you had a lot. You had a lot of chips. You got to a hot start. Did you ever have, was there any real adversity or after you got a lead, did you ever get short or were you always pretty healthy throughout the way? No, that was my last day of fun until, until day five. Yeah. And, until the end of day five. So after day one, I basically stayed around or below average for the rest of the few days. And, uh, you know, I was like in survival mode for most of the time. Then at the end of day five, where I went from having like 15 bigs for like six hours, 
I finished the day like in top ten in chips. They moved me. They moved me to the feature table. I got aces back to back, and Bob's your uncle. It's as easy as that. Um, all right so all right so you get there you make the final table this was pre-november 9 that wasn't for a while after how how did that work once you hit the final table was there a day off or two or was it the next day no mate next day i'm you know getting i might get back to the table and start playing again it's really crazy because i did also see it's kind of fun reading about some of the stuff and the history of it all like they said at the time at least it was the longest main event final table ever i think it was like 13 or 14 hours what 14 hours yeah it's insane how i mean and then the the actual winning of it versus danaman which i remember the infamous you know seven three hand i think it was four five six flop you flop the straight you do some chirping some nice table talk danaman turns top pair he's got a straight draw with it he gets it in drawing dead to a chop norman chad said you know he turned seven three off shooting to 7.5 million it was just a beautiful uh beautiful storyline it only took six hands um to win but tell me about that 14 hour final table you must be exhausted day whatever the main no break the next day show up and play till what time I mean, it goes all night like how, how important do you think were you working out in the mornings were you just getting sleep what were you doing on a daily basis? Because, I mean, it's even crazier then than now. Now it's day one A, B, C, day two A, day two, two B, you know, day three, and then it kind of goes. And then usually there were, even the November 9, the break till the table or the last, you know, they give you a day or two to sort of decompress. But having to go through that marathon of a tournament, I mean, that's pretty tricky. You must have been pretty gassed. You remember, was it were you just adrenaline, so excited the day of the final table, or were you like, wow, I'm stuck in air? I honestly think – I was the best prepared for that final table out of everybody that was there. I worked out pretty quickly that I had to sleep, get my sleep every night. Uh, no one else at that final table was sleeping. The adrenaline was too much. Mm-hmm. I got some sleeping pills and made sure that I was getting my eight hours every night. Yeah. That was that made the world of difference to me. Um, you, you know, I could see how stressed everyone was. I was stressed as well, obviously, playing that sort of money. But I could see how stressed everyone was, but also too, the other eight guys weren't sleeping. I know that for a fact. No one was actually sleeping. How can you sleep? You're finishing it like 2 a.m. every night, and then by the time you fall asleep, it's 6 a.m. with the adrenaline. Right. You wake up five hours later, and you've got to do it all over again, you know? It was, it was pretty tough. There was a, a very long period where I was the shortest stack at the table. And that was the most stressful time for me because any hand could have been my last hand. Yep. Um, well, I, I remember. And, you know, I remember you did get yeah. it in queen seven of diamonds to nines versus uh, Aaron Cantor. I think you were short. You probably you were first in. You know, it's even then. It's like you're still not like you're that. It's two to one, right? Like you're gonna win one out of three. But so, in life, and you were short. Let's, let's talk. Let's talk about that hand, right? Because that that's a significant hand. That that was the turnaround for me. But uh, that hand came with a plan. I didn't just – I was on the button. Aaron had raised every second hand. He was just on fire, right? And I decided I'm going to take the approach of limp re-raising if he does raise and represent a big hand because his, his range of raising hands were just ridiculous. Like, it was so wide. Yeah, and he made some, some really aggressive plays. So I limp. Text calls, he raises, and I just shipped it. And then he, he had actually, he had a good hand. He had nines, you know, like right. I ran into a, a good hand. And um, 
but you knew he had some race faults. He was he did have a he was he was playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought you know, um, before I even put one chip in that pot, that was my plan. If if he raced, I was gonna you know play back in because <laughs> his range of hands was so ridiculously wide, and his uh, uh, raising frequency was so high, and it just worked out. You know. Well, listen, it's hard to beat 5,600 people and, and not have any fortunate thing. And again, it's not like it's a two outer or a one. I mean, your hand's pretty live there. He woke up with it. You had a plan. You win that hand. And then, so then what you got, you got down to, uh, then you had, I think three hand, you were pretty healthy. And then what was the, what was the starting heads up for Staneman? What was the, how big you had a lead fairly significant? I got two to one versus Steve. Okay. So not, not that, uh, not huge, but the match went pretty quickly and went smoothly. You win the main event. What's going through your mind? I mean, you're from Australia, first Australian winner. You come over there. I mean, it's like a, it's a storybook movie deal. Like what, what were you thinking? And did, did some of your friends, did you guys have any swaps? Did you have any action? Like, or, or I mean, not that it's private, but like, I, you don't have to share. I'm just curious. Did, were there some of the, I mean, cause you went over there with like four buddies, right? Like three or three guys that played. I, I had two swaps, and they both busted before dinner break day one. Wow! Just put it right on you. They were out partying, hanging out <laughs> at the time, and then you just let you do the work. Um, so they, they, they were sweating pretty hard the end. Okay, that's a good payday. Uh, that's exciting. So everyone went back pretty happy on the on the flight. What was your uh, What was the family? How old were your kids at this time? You have four. I know three three boys, one yeah. daughter who got married, I think, last year or recently, and I remember met you. Uh, and and uh, what was it? Were they how old were they at that point? This was uh, 15 years ago. Uh, so they were still they were eight to 14, eight to 14. That was pretty cool for them too. like see it on TV. The kids, the boys, you know, they're at school and their dads over, you know, because it's one of those things, right? You're not going to win Wimbledon. You're not going to win a gold medal. You're not an NBA guy or a, a Premier League player. But that's the thing about poker. Like anyone, anyone, at any time can show up and, and do something kind of remarkable. And so. That's got to be really cool for them to like, you know, like hear that and, and be like, yeah, my dad's the the world champion of poker. It is kind of ridiculous, right? Like, there's guys playing for a living that that are pros, the greatest players in the world, may never even sniff the main event final table, and then you just like kind of come out, you know, you come in your first main event, and you just ship it for uh, all the all the sugar, as you like to say, past the sugar. I want to ask you about that as well. But what was that feeling like? Did you? Just, I mean, it must be top of the world. I, how did they get you back to Australia? You must have been running around just having a good time in Vegas. Did the family fly over? No, right? There's no time. They, they, they're they there. They're the table's the next day, right? Jeff, wait till you walk in the streets with young Joseph. With, 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 and someone stops you to ask for your autograph or a photo. And the, when he's like five, six, seven, eight, nine. Right. Because I know you're going to be super famous with that, right? <laughs> not that you're not now, but you're going to be even more famous, right? Okay. But wait till you see out of the corner of your, your eye the look on your son's face, the pride that he has, and you tell me what more you want in life. That's awesome. Now, I mean, I bet, right? And especially in Australia, you're like, it's the it's just like there's not a lot of poker players or you're the only guy. Forget about Australia, dude. Talk about Vegas. Right. They came out after one of the main event. They came out two days later. So and then the following year, when 06, 07, when everything was madness in Vegas. Yep. Where at that period of time, if you had a name, you couldn't go anywhere without being stopped. And like I couldn't walk through the corridor of, of uh, the Rio. It took me 40 minutes to get from one end to the other. Wow. That's it was crazy. insane. That is crazy. It was that period where I'm sure you had other guests on here who, who come from the same era as I did. 
where, dude, people were just lining up. Like, you'd be playing at the table and be, and be four rows deep, people just watching you play and waiting for you to take a photo with that. And then you're walking somewhere and your kids are with you. And then now they're watching all these people ask for photos and, and autographs. Yeah, it's mental. Uh, the look of pride on their faces, that's, you don't need any more than that, man. That's, that's, that's really cool. That's, a, that's great to be able to, yeah, that they get to be there and, and saw that and experience that. Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a different time. It's, it's crazy. Uh, and, and then tell me about like the deals at that point, because this is like you were mentioning, it is the prime of poker you know, the, the stars, these different sites, party poker, full tilt, these deals, they're giving patches for people to make final table. What was it like? Cause you were with uh, stars that you got a deal. How did that go down? Did they come to you the day of the final table the day before when it was deep and then how did you 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 got a deal you signed this like right on the spot or before like how did that work because that was that was like the the, the wild west of deals for for online well, it was there were people walking around with um suitcases full of cash basically but i did something that no one else has had ever done and i don't think anybody else has done since i turned every deal down wow you, you, i turned everything down okay I said no, nope, I don't want to deal. What was like? What was the going? How, how did they do it back then? Out of curiosity, because I don't even remember. I, I know there are different prices, but was it like a tiered thing? They gave you a patch, and they said if you win it, if you get second, third, like we give you X amount. Yeah, of money. They, where this the final table will give you X amount of money if you win it. We'll do a contract, and I said no to everything because in my mind, if I win and I have no alliance with anybody, I have much more leverage. Mm-hmm. I was already guaranteed a million dollars, right? Because place got a million dollars. So make it you know, another 100000 or whatever they were offering. I thought, you know what? No, let me just play to win. If I win, then I can negotiate my own deal. Yeah. And that's how it worked out. I said, no, I didn't want to be – imagine like um, I said yes to ultimate bet. But then I found out they were, they were a bunch of assholes. And I don't want to be with them. Who was that? Say it again. Ultimate bet. Oh, okay, yeah. Imagine I was, you know, I had accepted something from them, right? Then I find out there are a bunch of us, but I don't want to be with them. But yet, uh, for the next eternity, I'm patched ultimate bet once that show's being shown. Right. It takes away from my, from other sponsors' ability to promote me. You know, that's how I looked at it anyway. It was my, my interpretation. Okay, very cool. But you do, you do, ink, you win it. You ink the deal. You go to a poker stardom. You're you're crushing it. How did that? What were you doing? So you said you were at, you got in the mortgage, doing some stuff after you couldn't do chiropractor anymore. You weren't doing chiropractoring. Um, did that overnight turn you into a poker professional? Like if you came back from Vegas, didn't cash. What's going? What's the difference between you winning the main event? I mean, it's pretty big opposite. But were you? You said you were playing online at your office, basically. But what were you actually doing? Were you were you a poker pro playing online then at that time, or what were you doing for your main source of income? It was poker. <laughs> you were playing poker at that point. So you had four children. You're playing online poker and playing around the crowd yeah. and stuff, and that was your main that was your main thing at that point. Basically, yeah. Interesting. I did not know that. Okay, so. All right. Well, so bankroll boost, a little bit of a difference. Now you got 7.5 million. You got a deal. You got the dream set up. You're, uh, you're, I mean, then what? So how did things change for you? You were traveling, you know, just looking back, 
here at the uh, let's take a look here again at the Hen and Mob. So now what? I mean, basically you're, every, you're like star. You're with stars. You're with the powerful company. You know, they, this poker's hot. You're going around everywhere. Is it was it pretty much you were just on every stop, or were you staying at home, or were you literally hitting every stop on tour? Uh, no, I traveled quite a bit. There was something, some events they uh, wanted me to attend, and other events I chose to attend. Um, and it was pretty flexible. Uh, I must admit, in those years, Stars was the most amazing company. You know, I uh, the time that I had with them was amazing. They, it was it was basically still a small family company then. And Isai Scheinberg, he treated everyone like family. That's what uh, I hear. That's what everyone has, has the best things to say about him. I don't. Did you yeah. know Mark as well or no? I, I knew Mark. Yeah, I, yeah. But Isai ran the company. Mark was, you know, you know uh, was there, and I had a lot of dealings with Mark. Mark was great too, but it was Eli. It was Isai show. You know, to the point to give you an idea, the PCA was sold to, to us as this is our PokerStars family event. We want your entire family to be here with you because it's a family event for us. So they flew my entire family from Australia to the PCA business class. Wow, that's strong. Esai, you know, I think the difference is that Esai is a very passionate poker player, right? And when he set all this up, he surrounded himself with people who he knew from the poker world. So the passion for poker was genuine. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas now it's just a company that's run by executives who've got marketing degrees and yeah. mechanic degrees, right? Yeah, listen, I it's have a my, different thing altogether, right? Yeah, I had my stint with Stars uh, for a while as well. I, I mean, I, I obviously they do a lot of things very well, great software, big guarantees, big stuff, but it definitely feels like the vibe overall there's changed and just some of the, you know, you can see the turnover and the people from all the way to the top, the, the ground new leaves, a lot of the bigger streamers have left, and it's definitely changed. And just to, you know, sort of, role on the sentiment you're talking about with Ishai. I, I, I mean, from what I know, I would say the same Rob Young, what he's doing now, it feels sort of that kind of vibe. He loves poker and he, he brings in everyone he knows in poker. He's got guys that are around him. So, you know, it's, it's rare. Cause I don't, there's not a lot of companies where it's like that. And I think that's something that's, that's important. If you're going to be a poker company, right. You got to have that kind of love for the game and that, that, uh, that kind of deal. But that, that's, that's great to hear. Cause I, I've heard a lot of that. I haven't heard that. I mean, that's a crazy story. Like that just really shows yeah. an extra mile. Like that. I mean, that's that's not normal, right? That's like no, that's totally. They could even just like flying them over on economy would be like pretty freaking nice. But like the, the but, yeah. business. I, mean, I, I, I haven't met Bob, but I have seen a few interviews, and uh, you know, I keep up with all the stuff that's going on at party. And it, you're absolutely right. It feels to me someone who, from the outside, this guy loves the game, and he. Um, is passionate about growing it, um, which is that's what we we need more of those guys in in the game. Sure. Um, to finish off that story, the going with the family, right? So we land in the Bahamas, and my luggage was lost, and I had to do a photo shoot the next day. So uh, my handler at the time. Uh, and he said, oh, no problem. Let's go downstairs. They've got a few stores there. Eat some clothes. So we walk into Versace, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we come out with like, with like Versace bags like three or five thousand dollars later. And as I'm walking out, I actually see my luggage on a trolley being wheeled to my <laughs> to my room. And I go, I don't say a word. I just jump in the elevator and go straight up. Okay. It was so good. Back then, it was just 
listen, I honestly, I am so grateful and so humble to have won the World Series when I won and been part of that golden age. Yeah. Because I don't think it will come back like that. And the memories that we have, you know, and, you know, Chris, <clears throat> Chris, Greg and myself traveling through Europe, doing a pit stop in every country, almost in Europe as a team and spending so much time together. I've got the chance to meet amazing people. Uh, and it was a different time. It's, a, you know, I, I don't like talking about the good old times, but that's definitely, you know, the good old times. It was just crazy. No, I mean, there's no question. That was the golden, golden era, but I, I, uh, I, I think, you know, it's, well, it's TBD, but I think, you know, that's just partly a function of everything that's happened. The U.S., obviously the Black Friday USA was sort of the turning point, but there is st- shots of life. And obviously it's a, with Australia going dark too, right? They turned it off in the last year or two, which is pretty, pretty upsetting. Not a great sign. But um, in the U.S., there was, uh, you know, Pennsylvania just passed. It's a major state. Michigan passed. That's where I'm from. You know, my dad loves playing. He's there. He's very excited. Uh, Nevada, New Jersey, Delaware. You know, you you get New York, Illinois. You find a couple more, and then obviously California is like the golden, golden state to for that. You know, you all of a sudden it's it's got a chance. But you're right. I don't know if we'll ever return to that that height. But it, I think it's got it's got these legs. It was a time of innocence, though. You got to understand, like right. Um, in the sense in that it was fresh. No one knew what they were doing. That's true. In the poker no. world. Yeah, now there's a lot of software. There's solvers. It's more intimidating. Yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah but no, even in, the, in poker business, no one knew what they were doing. Okay, true. At least true. I didn't know what he was doing. Right. He was just making it up as he went along. All he knew is he had this great software, and suddenly, you know, poker's on television. Everyone wants to play, and he's got, he's got the site where everyone wants to play, right? So they were basically... Everyone was making stuff up as we went along. It was just a great, just a great time. Yeah. No. Very, very fortunate to be part of it. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, I, listen, we've had some really nice dinners and we've done some stuff. Obviously, Antonio and you are very close. Antonio is one of my best friends. So, you know, I, we've gotten to chat off uh, off the podcast and, and shared some great stories and times. And it is. That was definitely the golden era. I, w- I also just remembered, I think we were on that flight. Uh, that it was the scariest moment of my life when, do you remember, I think it was me, you, uh, Antonio, and Lauren, I believe we were going from L.A. to San Francisco, maybe to Bay 101 or something. San Jose, yeah. Yeah, San Jose. And I was on my phone uh, before the flight and the pilot came up and I didn't hear him. Like I was just on a call or whatever. And like he was like, hey, guys, do you mind if I do like a really sharp off takeoff like and whatever? And I didn't know what was happening. And I remember I was facing the back and Antonio was there. And I think you were, you were sitting next to me. And then it was Antonio and Lauren and we were on the jet. And the guy literally like before the plane was off the ground, it was like the hard right. And I was sure it was over. Like, I, I literally like I was, it was it. I was just like life flash for my eyes stuff. And um, I, I just see Antonio laughing hysterically. And while it's happening, I'm like, that, cause he's a sick puppy, you know, like I, if, if we were really going down, he might be laughing. That's how nuts he is. But uh, anyway, I just remember that moment. I, he's I, was, I was legitimately that got me. That was like this. That was, uh, yeah, I felt ill. Um, but all right. So we, I don't want to spend the whole time because we got a lot of questions. You are actually flying to LA, I believe, today, right? Or in a few hours? Yeah. So we can't we can't just reminisce about all of the poker stuff. I do want to hit though. The next year, I see at the World Series, you end up making. So you win a main event. You go. You're doing some stuff. Next summer, you come in. You get second in a 
shorthanded no limit. Dutch Boyd actually gets his bracelet, but I guess it was six-handed. I don't know what shorthanded means. I'm assuming that's six-handed. They used to call six-handed, which is kind of funny, shorthanded. You get second, so, you know, because it's one of those things, I think, too, right? When you win a main event, there's guys like – it's kind of like a chip on your shoulder almost, like, oh, it's a one-hit wonder. The guy's a luck box. Like, you hear all these things, too, right? Of course, you're the champ. You win, but it's kind of like proving yourself. Like, let me show you guys. This isn't like I'm a great player. And I think I see that, and that happens a lot. And not just the main event, but other, you know, kind of majors or side tours, someone wins, and they kind of – it's like a double-edged sword. But you do get second, so you almost rattle off another bracelet the next year. And then you actually had – looks like another final table – and the same summer, I believe, so 2005 was at six, you got yes. second, a fourth. Back final titles. Yeah, a second, a fourth. You got third, and then, or there's a, a separate tournament, whatever, smaller one. But, yeah, so pot limit, uh, whatever. You get a couple good runs, and then all of a sudden you come into the WPT in December of the following year, so a year – and uh, you know, not, and you you cash the main event as well. Not to mention, you go deep again the next year, which has got to be kind of fun. Um, but then you win this tournament, a fifteen thousand buy in Bellagio. I mean, you know, just like if you think the the hype might not wear down a bit, what was this? This must have been another big shot of life, right? Because it's like not too many people have million dollar, multiple million dollar scores. You get two majors. That was like when the WPT prize pools were jacked up too. Uh, so you get a two point two. I mean. What's going on here? Is your family on this trip? Do they come back? Like you now chalk off. You got you're go, you know you're almost going for the triple crown out of nowhere. You got the WPT. You got the the uh, the main event. What what was that? How did that compare to winning? Was that kind of exciting as well? I mean, or were you kind of like all right? I've it was done- amazing, man. It was amazing. The like you said, the validation part of it was just amazing. And my family landed in Vegas like day three of that event when we just made the money. Um, oh, they came? I was short stacking. Huh? They were there. Your family saw that WP. Yeah, yeah. So my wife actually attended the final table at the end. It was, it was amazing. Um, after having so many close runs over the 12 months after I won the World Series, I had a lot of close runs. And um, you know what? You said it right. You know, you feel like go back out and get back on the horse and say, yeah, listen, I could do this. You know, I'm... I'm supposed to be here. I'm not just a flash in the pan. And then it coming together at a final table where, you know, Daniel Negreanu was on the final table here and he was chip led for most of the time. And somehow I manoeuvred my way uh, to a spot where I was chip leader with, you know, heads up play and, and won it. Um, it was a, an amazing moment for me, you know. That's, that's awesome. Okay, so now you get that done. Chalk it off your list. You hit another, you hit the WPT, you're on top of the world, you're traveling. How did you start getting, did you start finding distant cousins, relatives coming to you for staking and were you getting blown up, asked for money? Cause it's like, it's a, you know, it's, it's a bit of a, again, not like Vegas or some normal, you're in Australia, you're in Melbourne. It's not like the poker capital of the world by any means, but there's a lot of guys that play. What was that like being in Australia and like being at the local at the crown? I mean, and, and, and just like, did you kind of feel was there a lot of that? Did people ask to get staked? Were there a lot of people asking for lending? Did you stay out of that? Because it's kind of a, it's such an in, a influx of a bankroll and the stuff you're playing to just hit that huge. You got a deal as well, right? So it's not even just the money. Now you got some security. You got a stars deal. You got other things. You got some endorsements. Things are happening. Did you just start like doing crazy investments, or were you, you know, you're you're more mature at this point in your life? You already have four kids. You're not just like a 18 year old, you know, 21 year old wins it. Like you have some experience in business. Like talk to me a little bit about 
investments or, or things you did after you won? And, and looking back, would you have done anything differently? Or do you feel that you, you did exactly how you would have liked to do it? Great question. Um, I was very lucky. I was 39 years old when I won. I was happily married, had four kids, and I was happy in my life already. Okay. I think that's a really important thing for people to understand. Is like if you are already happy and stable, unless you're an absolute dickhead, it's hard to um, to rattle that, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I also attended a seminar in my chiropractic years where they spoke about how most people who come into money quickly, whether it's inheritance, whether it's um, lotto wins, big wins, are yeah. broke within five years. Yeah. And the reason they're broke within five years is because they start writing checks before they've even banked the money. Mm. And they said the, the first thing you should do is put the money in a bank account and own it for, for 12 months. Makes sense. You, you know, take a little bit of that and enjoy yourself. But that's interesting to say. Own it. You know, Bill, uh, Bill Perkins mentioned something as well in trading. What they do is when they hit, you know, he, he's trading some pretty big numbers, but what they do is when you hit a big score, they make you take it out of the whatever you won, like, you know, a stock, they make you take it, put it in the bank. And then you have the option to re re put it in because it's like that thing. Once it's like same as online, right? You win the Sunday, you know, party million or whatever for 150 k. It's like it's almost like play money, or it's not real. It's like wow, like because you almost don't feel like you it's yours. You earned it or deserve it. Kind you have of to own it. You have to own, own it. it. Accept it and then go on. Because I mean, that's true. A lot of people I know in poker too. They'll come into money. They start staking guys. They start by investing in everything, and and it's like the it's almost like they just don't feel like they should. Or they don't know what to do with it. Like, that's a great, interesting it, way of looking at it. It's just about ownership, Jeff. Yeah. It's much harder to let go of something once you own it. But wow, if you don't own it. You know what it is, Joe? Let me interrupt you. My favorite poker term that I've learned in the last five years, besides Phil Locke's uh, upstuck term, I saw it on your Instagram, and I think I actually messaged you. And it actually shifted a bit on how I play and approach tournaments. Um, the chip ownership term, which I don't know if you coined or not, but I heard it from you first. No, I, I coined it. It's That's mine. Beautiful. It's awesome. It's really powerful. It makes sense because it's like you said, it, it's similar, a similar principle, right? You, you're in a tournament. You start with 30,000, let's say a WPT. You're up to 180. Uh, you get hot. You cooler someone and you're there and guys are at 40, 50,000, 20,000. And it's easy to just like go nuts and just keep blasting and try to force it. When you got to realize like you're on like day three or four of a tournament with an average stack and you got to, like you said, own it, reset, redeal. You don't need to be the guy forcing it. Just play your game and, and own those chips before you start, you know, diving into pots and weird situations for no reason. That, and that's a very, it's almost, I guess it's the same thing, right? It's similar in, in, in life. It's and- exactly the same thing. Chip ownership came from that principle. It's exactly the same thing because it, it makes so much sense, right? It's it really is cool. I, mean, I love that term. I, I heard it. I had I messaged you. I saw that term on Instagram. I I video and I said I texted me. I was like, man, that's that's awesome. Um, who said social media is bad? You know, learning stuff. We're, we're doing. Stuff. <laughs> um, all right. So okay. So you, you so you were like you said, good time in your life. You kind of lock up the money in a way where you're not just doing silly stuff and spending and buying crazy things or whatever. You you own it. You get through. I've been to Australia. I've been to Melbourne. I've been to your house. I've been to your business some of your business you do i think we went to a restaurant was delicious what other what other ventures do you have going right now that you're doing besides poker so um i've invested in a variety of different businesses all ranging from like uh uh, advertising production houses okay uh, where 
we've launched a, a burger franchise in China, which is not going so great at the moment. <laughs> um, right. I've got a couple of restaurants here. I've done a lot of property development. Um, I've invested in my family a lot, like my kids and my family. Um, and I've invested in some of the stock market, you know. Um, I'm very careful where I invest my money and, and who I invest it with. The few times I've made mistakes is when I've rushed into it. We all make mistakes. There's, you know, there's, you're never going to invest. You're never going to have a 100% strike rate because it's just not like, you know. But being careful and taking my time and basing my investment on who that person is and what my vibe is about them has saved me millions. It really has. Right. Yeah. And you can imagine people put something under your nose every day. Hey, I've got a great idea. Hey, look, I'm doing this. Why are you putting money with this, right? You know, um, I mean, it's, it's even a, our good friend, yeah, yeah. even our good friend Antonio, right? Like he's a couple of times he's uh, put stuff in front of me that that have been put in front of him. And I said, no, look, I don't think that's for me, you know? Right. Um, and then one, to one thing we didn't do together and we both got it wrong and we both got, you know, but that was part of the, when the crash happened in LA, it was nobody's fault. It was just bad luck. Right. But yeah, I think I pride myself in taking my time and trusting my gut. You know, I've saved so much money. If something doesn't sit right in my gut, I just, I'm strong enough to walk away from you. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. It doesn't matter what it looks like on paper. I don't care what you show me. If there's something about you who's selling me this deal that doesn't sit right, I don't want to be part of it. Right. Well, you know, yeah, penny saved, penny earned, that kind of deal. But also, I I would say... Sorry, you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. You know, uh, just... Hello? Yeah, can you hear me? I can hear you. Joe? You went Yeah, it went dark for a second. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah. I can hear I you. Hear you. Shoot. Uh, one sec. All right. Technical difficulties. Hold on. Hold on. Hello. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Joe? I can hear you. Shoot. Hold on, guys. Hang with us. Uh, one sec. Joe? Ah, uh, there you go. Got it. All right. Sorry, I don't know. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. You went dark. The the screen went dark for a second, and then I couldn't hear you. Yeah, someone. Yeah, someone rang through. I had to hang up. No. Okay. No worries. We're good. Um. Okay. So yeah, I was gonna say, forget we lost. Talking about investments, but also I think this is something I want to talk to you about, and sort of falls in line with this is. Part of it's a lot of time too, right? Like at some point in life, you know, I've I've come and I have a, I have a ten month old son also named Joe Joseph, which is which is great and it's fun. But it's like an investment; it takes a lot of time and work, right? It's like you got to look at it, you got to think about it, you got to do it, you got to do the paperwork, and then it has to work. It's like it's like almost staking someone too. It's like they got to win, then you got to do the paperwork, they got to whatever. So there's a lot with it, and I want to ask you: with four children, you know. How do you find, I have one and it's great and hopefully we'll have more. Um, how do you balance that, like that with poker in particular, but just time in general? I just feel like having four children would be so hard to, uh, I guess you got to have a great partner 
and you, you know, some help and, and family and whatnot. But tell me a little bit about what that's been like in poker with particular. Cause like you, I, you know, go play live or you're playing a tournament, you're going away or you're, you're playing for a long time. How, how do you balance that with family and, and any advice to people out there of kids and play poker in particular? Let, let me address the uh, investment question first. Sorry. Yeah. I throw like four at once, but you're, you can handle that. That's okay. But find the people that you want to be in business with. Yeah. I don't do any of the work. I don't do any of the, the running around the paperwork. Right. I go into business with people who are skilled or have a talent or have a vision. They will present to me and then I'll say, well, I believe in you. I believe in what you're doing. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. That's what that cuts down the work time for me. Okay. Yep. Makes right? sense. Uh, with, uh, with family, mate, listen, first of all, you have to be blessed to have a great partner. Okay. But second of all, and the most important thing that men and women get wrong a lot, in the heyday for the first 10 years when I was traveling a lot with poker stars, I was away every two weeks, right? But when I was home, I was home. My kids had 100% of my attention when I was home. Yeah. And that's what's important. Now you're saying to Joseph, young Joseph, hey, I'm going to spend Sunday afternoon with you. We're going to play. Then you're on your laptop playing online poker whilst he's playing with his toys. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work, right? So if I said we're going to the movies, we're doing this. Unless I was struck by lightning, that's what we did. Even till today, and one of the reasons why I slowed uh, my travelling down is because my kids got to an age where they need me for support and guidance now because they're making life decisions. So I spend most of my time trying to be there for them, you know. Um, and if you get if you get your priorities right with your spouse, with your kids, it can all work. You just you know, this, but don't tell me you're going to go play um, 100 hours a week of poker, and then on your days off you're going to play online poker as well. Right. I, I mean, dude, you know, have have some respect for your family. You know, they need your attention. If you want if you want their love, they need your attention. End of story. Yeah, I think that that's that's a that is a great point. And I this is also, you know, my wife is Brazilian and it's cultural, right? There's different cultural things about help and nannies or different things, <laughs> different parts of the world, I think, really view things differently in the US in particular, whatever. I mean, then of the day, I would rather be similar to what you're saying with my son, rested, present, focused, excited, energized for those periods of time. And then, you know, certain things where I'm not with them or if I'm traveling or if I, you know, that we're getting help or something. And, and, you know, you could, you could argue, but I think that's true because instead of being with your children the whole time, if you're exhausted, you're unhappy, you're tired and, or you're not present. Yeah. You're with your kids. Say you're stay at home dad, but you're at your phone and they're there and you're just on your phone the whole day doing deals on the call. Like it's probably worse than even if someone's there only a little like the time, but they're really there. Um, so I think 100%. that's a, that's, uh, that's something I'm pretty sure that, where I'm guilty of at times. I mean, not not like to that degree, but could be better. And I think that's something to remind yourself, remind myself, remind others. That's really important. But I think it's also this day and age. It's more. It's more and more difficult. And that's like they're going to likely become an issue, right? Because I mean, I, I see it a lot. I see people on their phones all the time with their kids, or that you know they're just not present. And I think you no, know, now it's uh, we're in a battle, right? It's this time day and age. There's technology everywhere, everything, and you got to be really cognizant of that or else it can become a problem but that's that is great advice um and, and to, be, to be honest jeff i think it's been an issue forever fair enough oh i think joe's getting a call uh, you there 
Sorry. No worries. Are you there? Can you hear me? I can't hear you again. Uh, yeah, when you get a call, um, shoot. Can you hear me? I can hear you. You can't hear me? Hello? No, I can't hear you. Uh, sorry, guys. Uh, Unbelievable. Um, I can, I'm, I can hear you. What did Hello? you do? Yeah. Come on, Jeff. Speak to me, Jeff. I'm here. I'm here. Joe, come on. We're killing it. We're about to do questions. I don't know what happened. The volume's even better than it was. Uh, Hello. I can hear you. I can't hear you yet. I can hear you. Hello. Hello. Uh, I can hear you. He did it last time, guys. He fixed it. What the heck? Yeah, but I can't hear you. Uh, oh, God. Do what you did last time. Yeah. Hello? There you Joe. go. Joe, whatever. Listen, yep. All right, we got if it. someone calls you again, you got to, whatever you just did, that's what you got to do again to fix it. You got to do the, whatever you're doing. Because if someone calls you, it's cutting you out. What did I just do then? I don't even know. What you got to be on a laptop, Joe. Oh, you're yeah. too popular. You, you can't expect not to get a phone call in a two hour period. That's insane. Come yeah. on. Come on, Joe. All right, guys, listen, we are, we're going to take some questions here in a bit. I do want to keep going. Uh, and then we'll, we, we got about 40 minutes. Joe is flying to LA to try to add to his, uh, poker resume. What are some stops you just don't miss? You five diamond in Vegas, I think, right? The world series LAPC. Is that sort of your, your guaranteed? Yeah. That's basically they're my guarantees. And yeah. the millions, right? I guess you're, that's in your backyard. It's January. You got to go there, yeah. right? Yeah. Is, uh, is, um, what about other travel? Any other st stop? Not necessarily poker, but places in the world that you've gotten to go that you really think are are special and would recommend? Mykonos. Mykonos, Greece. Okay. Wow. Yeah. My man, Mykonos. Wow. I haven't. I haven't been. I have not. I've been to Greece. I've been to Crete, and actually, I'm going to Athens. But maybe I'll stop over there uh, this year. Mykonos I is a different world, my friend. Okay. Amazing. I'll, we'll, uh, I'll add that. Um, what? is the pass the sugar deal and and what happened with that did you get a, a, a coin on that because that was i mean that's a great line How, where did that come from what's that about there's a an old greek guy that used to play with us at crown and he'd always say it like when he when he dragged the pot past the sugar but with a greek accent right like you know okay. pass the sugar you know and um so we all picked it up i did anyway and uh that famous hand with andy black on day day six or day five, he flopped the flush. He flopped the set. Yeah, I and, I've, and I, you know, you're supposed you you're basically supposed to say parts of sugar when the pot is yours, right? He had out when I he had top set, man. I shit myself. You can't. Because, what did I just do? Like I can't believe I've already like celebrated and the hand's not over. You know, I did not put him on top set. I thought maybe he had like kings with king high flush or something. You know that. Um and. Yeah, so past sugar is a celebration of, you know what? Just give me the fucking pot, leave me alone. Right, right. but that particular case was a big moment, and it wasn't over. But you did wow. older. That that would have probably yeah, that would have stung for a long time. Um, all right, so past the sugar, I get it. That makes sense. And uh, I do want to mention this because speaking of children and, and poker, and some of your, I believe, some of your kids, if not all your sons, play. I think a couple more so than others. Right? Do they play more? Yep. Or how, yep. how seriously are they playing? Daniel, my middle son, who was out at Vegas with me last year, came 79th in the main event. Okay. So close, dude. He made one mistake on day six. Okay. He had like double average. 
Wow. 2.5 average he had at the start of day six. Okay. He made one little mistake. And just, you know, what happens in poker, you make one mistake, and suddenly you can't do anything right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's funny. He's how- the best poker player uh, of, the, of the boys. Um, Anthony, my eldest son, is really, really good, but he's more of a tournament player. And James, my youngest son, he's the entrepreneur in the family. He, he plays for fun, but he's not really interested. Okay. And I did see a quote, and just I want to make sure this is from you or, or this is what you're saying, talking about um, – that your wife, you know, she did support your decision to play poker, which is great, but also that your children play poker. And you said that you believe it teaches them discipline and how to handle adversity. Uh, tell me a little bit about some of the skill sets and, and reasons. You know, my dad now plays poker because I play poker. He says he wishes he had played earlier, you know, in terms of talking about real life, how people conduct themselves. You know, you do have to deal with adversity, right? You're going to lose a lot, especially in tournaments, as in not win the tournament or get knocked out and how you handle that and how you move on and move forward. But what, uh, were you always going to be okay with your kids playing poker after you won the main or were you kind of hesitant? I don't know if I want them to play. No, I was never, I I never had any doubts about them playing poker. It was more, I wanted to give them as much information as I can so they wouldn't become gambling degenerates. Right. Think about the responsibility after I won the world series. I've got four kids that, that are basically going to be raised in casinos for the next 10 years. Right. So yeah. I put a lot of thought into how I was going to do this. Because I don't gamble. As you know, I'm, I'm, I, I don't play tables. I'm not a gambler at all. So I, I tried to expose them to the real world of gambling. Right. And I always said to them, if you want to play poker, that's great. You know, we'll play together. I'll teach you how to play. We'll have fun. But I don't gamble at tables because – for this reason, and I don't play the horses for this reason, I don't sports it for this reason. And I go, look, look at all these people that are playing. You know, because in Vegas, you can walk through the casino, right, the kids? Mm-hmm. In Australia, you can't. So they're, they're all just, they're playing against the odds. Why? And I always use the analogy, if you and I are physically equal and we're going to run a 100-meter sprint, why would I ever give you a five-meter head start? Right, wouldn't, yeah. yeah. And that's what I've tried to... Um, get through to my kids, you know? So, yeah. Very, very cool. Um, okay. And, uh, and then when you, you know, now, now that poker is, I guess it would, how often like, do you play still someone? I mean, you're not playing online in Australia, right? Not anymore, but in the last, huh. even before it was stopped, did you play some online or not much? Like, do you play live or no, no, no. Online poker is, uh, uh, has not been of interest to me for a long time. Cause I just can't put in the work that I need to. Like online poker is, I think, to be successful online now, you've got to put in a lot of work into it. And right. I just don't have the time. You know, I, I don't have the energy to do it as well. So, it, But I, I still play live. You know, I play – there's a regular home game that we play in. Um, and then when then there's uh, visitors from overseas or interstate, we'll get up a game at Crown. So. What's your preferred cash game nowadays? Do you like PLO more or, or – Yeah, it's been PLO for a long time now. PLO. Yeah, but if, if, it's a, if there's a good hold'em game, I'm, I'm happy to play, you know. Um, but what's, what's uh, what, kind of, what kind of stakes uh, PLO cash game do you like – are you generally playing now? I'd say the average game would be like 5,100. Nice. And it's a pretty good game? Like it's a, a good group? That's a good size, you know. Yeah. That's a good size. And then if the game gets kicked up, it can go to 2-4. We've played some wild games, obviously, but you know, I, the way I look at it, and 
I hope the viewers can understand this as well, is that um, I don't feel the need to play at the highest stakes possible. It, it doesn't it doesn't benefit me in any way. Okay, so if I'm playing two four and I lose a hundred and I win a hundred thousand, it doesn't change my life. If I lose a hundred thousand, I'm going to be fucking very annoyed. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Right, and it's not because it changes my life. It just it's going to annoy the heck out of me. Yeah, yeah, it could, so, it, could, it could affect you in other ways, right? Like your other business or decisions or your your overall mindset, right? Yeah. Actually, triggers. Yeah, like I, I'm, I'm not <laughs> of the of the school where <clears throat> I want to play the highest I can whenever I can. I mean, like to those who need that sort of uh, adrenaline rush, good luck to you. Right. Um, I don't think it's healthy, and I don't think it's good. Like you know, think about it. Of the guys who play at the highest levels. How many of them actually can really afford it? Right. Yeah. Really. Let's yeah. let's be honest. Really. Especially now, too, or they're back. There's deals, or there's other things. Or it's uh, yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a bit of a. I I'm with you. I, I agree completely. And you know, you but at the same time, you want to play a game that gets your gets your temperature going. That you get to make some decisions, and you're gonna feel like competitive. You you know, so it's like it's correct. Like, yeah. I don't want to play one dollar, two dollar, but yeah, you don't need to risk, uh, you know, Aston Martins uh, nightly and and, and and wake up kind of uh, in a in a in a, uh, a heat, heated sweat. So I'm with you on that. Um, LAPC. So you'll go there. You'll see. You'll catch up, um, Antonio. Uh, you'll be out there. How? What other stuff do you like to do in the U.S.? Are there other cities you go to now, or do you just pretty much go when you go there? You go to Vegas, L.A., and come home. Is there any other? You go to New York. Vegas, L.A. I I would have gone to uh, San Jose for the Bay One Hundred One, yeah. but it clashes with something else. So I'm coming back. Okay. Home. Um, but generally, yeah, I I do want to like venture to Boston. I want to see the new casino there, and I've always wanted to um, uh, visit Boston anyway. So I heard the new Wynn Casino is pretty cool. They got a good poke uh, card room there as well. So. Well, you also. Yeah, got- I mean the East Coast. I love, I love the East Coast as well. Like, but it's just so far away. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to get to uh, Miami. You got to add that if you want a new casino as well. They got the guitar, one point five billion hotel. It's pretty, pretty sweet. Oh, you know. That's uh. Is that finished now at the Hard Rock? Oh yeah, I got a, I got a vlog to prove oh. opening night YouTube vlog on. It. I'll send oh, you. Oh wow. Yeah, check it out. It's very cool. Like, I'll make some time. It's legitimate. I'll make some time. They have actually. They put together a nice. Uh, series. I don't know time of the year if it's you know you kind of have your poker trips book, but they have usually April. They get like a hundred and hundred and twenty hundred and fifteen people consistently in the twenty five k. It's a nice twenty five k event. They have the the WPT there and uh, yeah, good field sizes and good cash games. So yeah, Miami's good, man. You got to add that into your uh, sometime this decade. You got to you got to make a splash in. We'll uh, we'll host you and it'll it'll be good. Um, all right. Well, I think since you have a flight, we have covered a lot. There's maybe it's definitely other things I want to go through, but there was a, a, a big Twitter taking to your to to the Hashem podcast here. So I do want to I do want to knock down some of the the questions here as well, and then we'll kind of close out. We got a giveaway at the end of fifty five ticket. We'll give away on your behalf, um, but we'll, we'll kind of roll through because there are a lot of a uh, lot of interesting questions. Let's, let's get in there. Um, would your life be different? Had you come second in the main event? Why or why not? What would that have changed? Do you think in terms of your poker or just in general? Great question. Uh, definitely. If I came second and then didn't get a sponsorship, then I definitely would never have gone on tour and, and done that. I would have come home, uh, tried to use my money wisely back home and 
probably made it back out to the World Series for the next few years and see what happens. Pretty, pretty, like I said, we I mentioned earlier, Daneman who came in second, great guy, a lot of fun, and he he took second, big score. Still, still doing my my taxes. He's a great, you know, he actually he's got a great setup and loves playing. He also plays casually to get twins mm-hmm. recently, and yeah, shout out to Steve Daneman out there. I'm sure you guys remember him. His little note card. Remember he had his like sheet on what? Love big Steve. Yeah, love big Steve. Gotcha. He still he still reckons I own three point five million somehow. I don't know how. He's what? He's still what? He still reckons I own three point five million. Oh man! All right, well, that's his, uh, <laughs> that's his claim there. Um, yeah, so we talked about this. Some of these questions asking about the main. Someone asking, do you still play volume that you used to, or, or how, give me like a prime Joe Hashim poker player volume at a hundred? What are you at now? I uh, my poker sessions last for anywhere between six and eight hours maximum cash games. But in terms of like volume, in terms of a week or a month, so you're playing less oh. as intense, but are you, like, are you at a 20 out of 100 at your peak or a 10? Oh, I'm like a 20 out of 100, yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that seems about right. Uh, what are some tips for players trying to try the live scene? What would you tell someone that likes poker, they watch it, maybe they're trying to get into it, they want to go play their local game, any, any uh, game selection or game types, tips? live things you could give a tip to someone getting into the game i think live games are a lot more fun than online and and a lot easier to be honest so uh table selection is very important and state more importantly than table selection is choose what stakes you're comfortable playing at you know don't play in stakes that are going to make you uncomfortable which is what i was talking about before you know like i think the biggest mistake people make is they go oh yeah i've been playing one three now i want to play five ten well, if you're not ready to play 510 financially, you're not going to be comfortable. You're going to do your money. So the, the, my biggest tip is make sure you play at stakes that you're comfortable playing at. Great advice. Um, do you remember a hand that – do you do you have a hand in your mind or, or something that – that was just so upsetting that you had to like take, knock your breath out. I think I, I vaguely remember there was one at Bellagio or somewhere, some really sick, like one out or some kind of beat or something like, was there any, any, any hands that you just never forget or have touched you in such a spiritual moment of, of that you just like didn't believe was real life. I, I think I remember one in particular, but I, I honestly don't there's, know. I remember it might've been Bellagio. There's quite a few, um, I'm not trying to start bad. Memory, I just want like one that you just, yeah, like, never there's one that, yeah. I mean, like, honestly, there's that, that, um, the hand against Dutch Boyd where he, he rivet a five. I had ace three T's ace five for the bracelet, right? That was for the bracelet. That's upsetting. Right. Yeah, that's, um, yeah. Okay. So that, but that, that was the, that was the most, uh, what's the word I'm looking for that had the most value on it, but the one that really stings really stings because the way it happened was uh the circuit event at uh bally's in like november of 05 when uh i was at the final table i was chip leader jc chan raises um what's his name i've just gone blank on his name the vietnamese guy um maybe, maybe i can pour up the hand and mob to help you oh uh, yeah 2005 yeah, Bally's. I came fifth or something, or fourth. Bally's or it was in 05 or six. Oh five. Oh five. Or maybe oh six during during the middle of the year. Okay. Um, 
trying to find it. I don't know. World Series, Tournament of Champions, 06. Uh, five, is it before the Five Diamond or after? No, before. Before. Okay. I, I'm not seeing it. Was I'm pretty made, sure it was end of 05. It was after you won the main event. Yeah, it was like end of 05. Uh, oh, yeah, here we go. 05. I got it. I got it. November, you got uh, – uh, maybe Fifth or fourth. Okay, fifth. Yeah, I see it here. There's, there's Scotty Wen, Lee Watkinson, J.C. Tran, and Tang Pham. No, there's uh, – I've gone, forgotten his name. He plays all the big PI games too now. His wife's the dentist out of Houston. Min Lee? No. Doug Lee? Then, no, 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 no. Right. These um, are the guys. This is the only guys here at the final table, but you got fifth. He won. He's, he won it. His name – oh, yeah, his name's Tang Pham, but maybe goes by something else. But that's who it is right here, Tang Pham. Oh, Okay. Okay, okay. So, I've, anyway, I'll, I'll remember. Right. So, JC raises, he re-raises. I three-bet with Kings for half my stack. JC folds. He goes, I'm all in. I call, and he goes, i got Jack 10, but I've got a good feeling. <laughs> Was this televised somehow? I feel like – This is televised. This is televised. Actually. And I, I walked away from the table, and he just flops two jacks. This flops two jacks on me. Wow, that was a pretty big. Yeah, this is a big. Um, this is a big, pretty big prize for. I guess it was a ten k. Yeah, but that's. Uh, man, that's weird. Uh, and you just, you just smoked your aces. All right, so yeah, again, that's. It was funny. That one hurt. I I play a lot of poker uh, on on stream Twitch and I, a lot of tables and tournaments and it's funny though. Like when you, it's important I think to remember because it's not just about like. Like these feelings where you lose, you river ace queen ace five for a bracelet. There's all these things. It's so much variance. There's so much. You know, obviously you win the main event. Like I'm sure people tell you anytime you ever want to even like think of like a bad beat or unlucky spot. People are just like you know shove. I'm it. not allowed to say a word, man. I'll get jumped on straight away. Yeah, but it is you know, and again, it's a situations where it's math and it's a lot of ace king ace queen jacks to tens eighty twenties. Mm-hmm. You know, two to ones. So it, it's just a, it's a it's an emotional game, and it does feel like it's just funny because like you could be playing a hundred dollar tournament or a hundred k or a ten thousand main event, right? And it's like the math is always the same, but it just like it kind of the variance in the spots really matter, and it just we can all yeah. have bad hands, uh, you know, that, that that hurt the most. But yeah, I think um, that's a beautiful game. It is what it is. Um, okay, so all right, fair enough. Those are pretty pretty dirty. Um, your first WSP. Oh yeah. Some hobbies. What other hobbies do you have before getting to poker? And even after, do you play any sports, music, anything you like to I'm do? Golf. You golf still? Yeah. I'm absolutely addicted. How much, <laughs> how, what's your handicap? Uh, I'm playing off about 16 at the moment, but uh, I, I um, tore a muscle in my elbow from playing too much end of last year and haven't been able to play for four months. So, I'm actually just <laughs> can't I can't wait. wait to get back out. Yeah. I'm uh, I've taken some lessons. I'm trying to get into it as well cuz it is a, it's a great thing to socialize, have a good time and just you know, so you know, addictive, man. It's a great you go with the guys, do some poker a poker trip and then play some golf. It's yeah. uh, you don't want to be the guy that can't can't get out there and just sits, sits That's on right. the, driving the cart. Um, all right, cool. Uh, what would be your dream job if poker, let's say you never got into poker, couldn't do chiropractic and you you didn't play poker. What would you have done? Do you think after that, when you got back from that World Series, what would have been your your passion to do? I have no idea. <laughs> Just, I have no idea. It's hard to imagine, though. I'll be honest. Like I don't know. Obviously, your situation exactly. You had a successful chiropractor business. You're now playing mm-hmm. online poker in 0405. You got four kids. Like it seems like not really viable. Like it'd be hard to 
like be be playing poker in that scenario and not, you know, again, I have no idea. You, you're sure you have other stuff and other things at that point going on, but you know, like it is a, uh, it is crazy to think that that I didn't realize you were actually like, playing online poker essentially because you weren't playing live then right like you would play online there was not enough you're there was not not, there was not enough action live but i was playing live but there was just not enough action can you excuse me for 30 seconds yeah yeah yeah. yes all right guys hang tight we're gonna get these questions out and then uh, joe he is actually flying to los angeles today so we're gonna be we're going to be knocking these down and then we're going to hopefully uh, we'll, we'll maybe catch Joe on another podcast. Still a good, good size one. We'll have multiple repeat guests. Um, hope you guys are enjoying. We got a special one tomorrow. Rafa Morales, one of the Brazilian all-time crushers, online legend, GM Walter. Um, he's got some amazing stories, won the million dollar Venom and, and just a great guy, all-around player. He'll be on tomorrow. We have Eric Afria coming up, three-time WPT champ, just won his third WPT. And uh, plenty more guests coming up. So hope you guys are enjoying. And again, the podcasts are on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, all the platforms. And we do have a Jeff Gross Poker Twitter now with every guest, every link uh, to the YouTube ones as well as the podcast. So let's give Joe a second here. And uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Yes, I'm here. Um, we're good. Can you hear me? Yeah, all good. All right, cool. Let's let's uh, rattle these out. Let's get you to LA on time. We're gonna knock some more of these questions out. There are some some uh, very interesting ones. Uh, let's let's take this. We nicest place. What about your favorite stop on tour? We said nice. You said Mykonos, family or just vacation loved. Um, what what's the one that you just you loved over the course of your whole career? the best stop for you. And I know you love LAPC Bellagio, but what about destination? One of the stops in the countries and more exotic places. Um, Monte Carlo is always very special. Like that's, it's just, it makes you feel special being there. You know, like it's a, such a majestic place. Right. And uh, the tournament there was always the, you know, the EPT was the main event for the EPT. Um, Very special place. Very cool. And and you, did you? How many years did you go to the PCA? You went there many years, like during while you were starting. Uh, PCA. I went there for like seven years. Seven years in a row. Yeah, it just came to end the uh, the Bahamas. Though, have you been to Bahamar yet or no? Was it, no, no. That's on my bucket list as well. I want to do that as well. Apparently, that they do a really hotel's amazing. It's really good. It's like a Vegas. Uh, it's basically Vegas in the Bahamas. So it, yeah, that's. Uh, I would put that in November if you, know, you do. Listen, when you come. Stop in Miami, spend a few days here, and then you go shoot over the Bahamas. That's the way to. That's oh, the way to do yeah. it. All right, we'll uh, we'll we'll get that chalked down. Um, what's the longest you've gone without playing poker since you started playing poker seriously? What's the longest break you've ever had? <clears throat> wow, not very long at all. <laughs> uh, three weeks, maybe. Three weeks. Okay. Three four weeks, maybe. That's 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 because that's because I'm on a family holiday with no poker around. Okay. Favorite hand in poker other than aces. What's your, you know, you won the main with seven, three off, not the best starting hand. What's one that you just, what's one, do you do anything weird like that where you get seven, three and you just, you just rep it. You just play it now for fun anytime. Or do you have any hands that you just like, you just love what's your, you know, suited connector. What's your, what's your, uh, what's your favorite? Uh, I have a, a special connection to uh, pocket sevens and the queen of diamonds. 
Okay. Anything in the any Queen reason? of Diamonds? Any why the Queen? Of- <laughs> um, the Aaron Cantor hand when I had the Queen Seven, the Queen of Diamonds hit oh, the Queen, okay. and then the Bellagio Five Diamond when uh, we got it all in with my Queens against Ace Queen, and he spiked an Ace on the turn, and Jack McClelland on the uh, microphone says Joe needs any Queen of Diamonds on the river. <laughs> That's and boom. Queen of Diamonds hit. So was that, but, that uh, that's the one you won? Yeah. And so were you out or was it a huge pot at that point or how big? It was a huge pot. I would have, I would have been crippled. Wow. That's the that's the hand I was thinking of. So I was thinking maybe it was a bad hand, but it was a good hand at Bellagio, one outer. Well, you got it in good, but yeah. had to one out with one to come. That's that's insane. Yeah. That is yeah, a, yeah. No, you can't complain about anything. That's that's to win the and <laughs> that's you got the two majors. What else do you need? Try try and stop me from complaining. I, well, no, I, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, we all. I listen. We're, we all. We have the Helmuth in us, right? We think we should win every hand, everyone. I, Mate, I, I, don't know. I, I don't know about, about I don't know about anyone else, but I'm human. This is me. So I'm with you. Know. you. I, I, I find myself. You know, I think uh, reading too about some of the stuff and some of your your how you go through a tournament, how you look at it, your mental, you know, strength. And that's very important, of course, now, especially with how tough everyone is and any advantages you can get. But, you know, it really is uh poker does. It's not for the faint of heart because you know, I'll say yeah. Ryan, I'm playing 20, 30 tournaments uh, when I'm streaming on a Sunday or something like that. I mean, you're just taking two outers, rivers, bad, eight, you know, cooler <laughs> runner, runners, whatever. And, and then you just want to believe like, how is this happening at times? And it just feels like it's like the universe is conspiring against you. You know, it's like in that, in that moment, your brain can't comprehend, right. but then you step away and you think about it and okay, it's fine. But in the, it's just in the heat of the moment, um, for most of us humans, it's hard to actually comprehend. It's even though we know better. It's true. And I think, uh, you know, again, being, I, I can, I can just say, you know, when you, when I wake up on a Sunday, some days I'm traveling or I flying or whatever, and I'm tired, like there's days when I, when I'm like excited and I know it's going to be a great day. And there's days when I'm just like, man, I probably shouldn't be playing. And like the energy is very powerful, you know, cause I, I do find mm-hmm. when you're rested, relaxed in a great mindset, you can re- like the handling the beats or the adversity is a lot cleaner when you're tired and you're like angry or you've got annoyed, something annoyed, you got some issue that you haven't handled or that's, that's on your mind, you know, or someone, something bothering you can really like, I do find, you know, I think I do pretty well mentally with all that, but it's not, yeah. Like you said, we're human, right? It's like, it doesn't feel good to take mm. a bad spot or a bad beat. And sometimes it can be a little bit challenging to, uh, to deal with that. And I think that's something that the professionals and the, the greats really do. Like your A game is, most people's A games are pretty similar, right? But with guys like B game when they're tilted or upset, you know, I think that's the difference. Where do where do people go when it's not going well? How do you see how someone handles when things aren't, you know, up against them? Uh, it seems to be you have the, the game pretty mentally in check. Uh, someone's asking about: Do you play sports book bet on sports? Do, do you do any sports at all? If you're at a match or something, your friend or a big game, do you ever like to put a friendly sprinkle? Or are you just like zero tolerance betting or anything? Very little. I have zero, almost zero tolerance. I'm not. I, I, for me, actually, I think it actually ruins the game for me. Interesting. You know, like now I've got money riding on this when I just want to enjoy the game. I like that mindset. Um, it's just me. It's just um, me. That's that. I like I, that. That's a great way to look at it. Um, you know, I have people say to me, "Oh, how can you watch the game without having an interest in it?" I go, 
I'm interested in watching the game. Yeah, I mean, it's great. Athlete. Why do I have to have money on it? Like, perform at a high level. No, for sure. I don't, I don't get <laughs> sports myself. Listen, I'll throw something on very rarely again for fun or like the Super Bowl, but <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not looking, yeah. not looking to uh, try to beat sports. Um, do you have a most memorable poker experience other than those two moments? Was there any kind of uh, local event or, you know, maybe a, your brother is very passionate about poker, your son, you know, your son went deep in the main this last year. Like, is there any kind of stuff that stands out or just like kind of cool story in poker other than those two massive victories that stand out? I've had an incredible poker life, mate, you know, and it's filled with great memories and lots of ups and downs. Um, But uh, I would, I could share a, an interesting story from last year's WSOP day two. Okay. I was at the table. I, I witnessed this. It wasn't about me, but I witnessed it. Not. It was one of the funniest moments um, that I've ever encountered. Okay. So we're playing day two of the main event and a guy sitting next to me, um, cap, sunglasses, headphones, the works, you know, he's a good old boy from Georgia, I believe, you know, very nice fellow. And he started with a lot of chips a lot of chips. Anyway, we're, we're playing through the course today and he bluffs off like over half his stack uh, at different points, just trying to bluff people off. Okay. And I can see he's getting really steamed. You, you know? didn't have We've been chatting and stuff. Not, not a good chip ownership player. Yeah, he's just like getting really steamed and his wife's watching behind. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so I just say to him, listen, hey, listen, buddy, listen, you know, just calm down, take it easy, you know, You'll get the chips back. Don't let it get, you know, don't let it get to you. I know you're a little bit upset about it. Hot under the collar. Just take it easy. Yeah. And his wife comes over and gives him a hug and he says to me, thank you, Joe. Thank you. Appreciate it. You know, it's great. The very next hand. <laughs> Out the door. Tell me he's gone. The very next hand. I'm under the gun. I'm the big blind. He limps under the gun. It goes call, call, button who's a French guy who's the tightest player at the table. Right. Raises it up. Okay. Fold, fold. I had King Queen of Spades in that hand, I remember, and I was spewing. So I fold it. He calls and he goes, fold, fold. Or maybe one one other caller. Okay. Flop comes 10, 8, 4. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Check, check. Button bets, the razor. My boy, all in. <laughs> The other guy folds. This guy now holds his head like this. What is he going to do? And he calls. He's got kings. My buddy's got ace three offsuit. Oh, no. <laughs> this is on a gut shot. Just rips it in. No, not in the gut shot. 10-8-3. 10-8-4. He's got ace oh, three. Okay. He's got, no, he's got ace high. Just on a just – He goes, blank ace. And he goes, yes. And I go, yes. I go, you trapped in a beauty. He goes, you're right. I trapped in a beauty. He did, he did. And the poor French guy was just like misery. <laughs> like, he's absolutely miserable. That's that's crazy. Look, I mean, yeah, man, his wife's there behind him too. Imagine he's out, like he's like got you know chip leader out in a second. I'll tell you, just I just thought of this too with it when you mentioned the wife or the girlfriend or someone behind watching. It does add a bit of pressure and, and a little extra depending on the dynamic. I remember one of my one of my best friends, Tim Begley. I think you met him. Um, he was in a final table of a Bahamas side event, and this girl, this guy's girlfriend, MVP. She was breaking. Tim told me he, she was there for 12 hours, start to finish. They're at the final table. She's there on the rail. MVP, you know, just giving him drinks, support, 
they're sitting there watching. Right. And then he's like number two at the final table and, and uh, he gets it in like eight handed, like 10 minutes into the final table with Kings and this other guy had aces and in Spanish, you know, the what, and then the guy gets knocked out and then he goes over to the wife and she's basically like, how did you not know he had aces? Like, <laughs> she's like, and she's like yelling at him in Spanish and like how, you know, like it was probably like a hundred thousand at first and the guy gets eight, this poor guy, and the wife's a sweetheart and she literally lost her shit on this guy. She was like, of course he had aces. Like it's just like total meltdown, but yeah, man, poker's great. It's fun. You know? Um, all right. Someone asked you, do you study poker nowadays? What are you, I mean, you're aware peel solvers is different type of things. Do you do any kind of review studying? Do you talk with some of your poker, you know, friends that maybe are into it? Cause like I'm in the boat too, where listen, I know that I use raise your edge. I do some work, but I'm very realistic. I have a family. I do a lot of different things. I'm not spending 20 hours a week on solvers. Like I know they're out there. I know there's work I can, extra work I can do, but where do you fall on that? What kind of review, if any, do you do or did you used to do? Or are you just natural street Antonio Espandiari poker, just just cold-blooded? And- yeah, I, I don't do any of that stuff, mate. Um, the, the max that I do is talking to some other players, maybe reading an article, watching a video, Right. The hand that maybe come up that that's interesting, you know, um, it is difficult. It's hard. Like today, the the amount of work that these kids are putting in, it's hard to keep up with them. They're amazing, but you know what? I'm happy for them to do the work, and I'll just pick up whatever I can. Right. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. catch a highlight on Triton, and I'll I'll, uh, I'll see some interesting yeah. stuff they're doing with over bets or yeah. different different blockers or whatever. Like, yeah, right. and I'll incorporate I mean, something you know, in my game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm very realistic as well. I always have been. Like, um, these guys are so so good now, um, and the, the information at their at their fingertips is so vast. Uh, they're happy to do the work. I'm happy to pick up the bits and pieces that I can. But yeah. Right. Well, I I want to ask you as well about. This has now been, you know, it's it's been a bit a little bit past, but the fires in Australia. I had Lingo Lingo Martin on. I saw you guys were over in Australia together, and, and you did some charity work and raising. Uh, she, I know she was very active as well. Can you give a little bit of an update and just put it in perspective on what what's happened and has it is it is it basically how, where is the status of that right now and and what is the repair efforts because there's you know tons of. Or do you know anyone directly affected with homes or people, or, or was it not in your area? Tell us a little bit about. No. So it's um, all the fires were in bushland, but like there were fires all across Australia. It was the first time that I'd ever seen such nonsense. You know? It was pretty bad. Like a few days in January in Melbourne, the city was full of smoke, and the the level of pollution was higher than that of India which is like ridiculous, right? Right. So it was pretty bad. We lost a lot of people. We lost over a billion animals. It's a lot. It's a lot. Billion, wow. Yeah. Um, The the irony of it all, it started raining three weeks ago and it hasn't stopped. Like February for us, it never rains. Mm -hmm. February for us is the hottest month of the year. We've had temperatures here in the the, um, low 60s and high 50s, never in February. Right. It's like getting that in July in Vegas. Right. You'd never think about that, right? Yeah. It's... In, you know, in July, August. So the the rain has really helped control uh, the fires. And I think most of them are now under control or out. But the devastation is still there. It's going to take 
a long, long time and a big, big effort to, you know, to restore all the damage that's been been done. And my heart goes out to all the families that were affected by this. Um, we saw so many videos where you see the fire, the firemen, like having, they're getting out of their trucks to start and then having to jump back in their trucks and just drive away because the fire was moving so fast. They didn't even have time to get the ho- their hoses out. That's how bad it was. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you just, you, we hear, I, you see it, you hear about it, and, you know, it's, uh, it's hard to put in perspective. But from what you know, it's, it has been contained or calmed down now and it's getting better. But yeah, it's under control. Under lot control. Of, uh, lot of, Thankfully. Uh, repair. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, yeah, scary stuff there for sure. Uh, let's, let's take some more questions. Um, we, we got we're gonna we got about what five ten more minutes five six minutes left then we're gonna do the giveaway um all right cash or M- mtts you've got your plo cash game or tournaments we can only play one for the rest of your life what do you choose cash cash games okay nice you got your no glory. tournament glory is, is checked off and get in and out when you want um which player is more difficult or unpredict- unpredictable when facing in a live tournament what who do you who do you fear like what is someone that you think is difficult to play against what type of style do you feel is tough to play against when you look down a table the loose aggressive player just more more about if we're going to put put more pressure and make you get you, yeah when you when you're up against the loose aggressive player you just have to buckle up right you know hope to make a couple hands um, you have to buckle up and sometimes you you're calling down with bottom pair ace high and just like you know and other times you're jamming it with a pair of eights. Like um, they're they're the ones that make the, the toughest players are the players that make you think the hardest. Mm-hmm. For sure. And usually the, the loose aggressive players are the ones that do that. Absolutely. No, nope. it makes makes a lot of sense. Um, will you win the WSOP main again, or, or how about a bracelet? Do you feel like are you putting enough volume in the summer? I came close again last year, bro. That they they robbed me again last year. I fair. saw that to a fourth or third. Fifth, fourth, third, 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 third in the uh, PLO. I think I, I did see yeah. that. right or Omaha High Low. Is that yeah, right? Limit Omaha Low. Yeah, yeah, Parliament Omaha two hundred in the ten k. That's uh, was that with uh, oh Schulman got that bracelet and you were, yeah. you were in contention. You had some good chips. They robbed me, dude. They, they, you know, they set the deck up to call me, and it was all over. I don't, I'm not going to tee you up because I don't want to, we, we said, no, you've won the two of the bigger tournaments of the, of our, <laughs> I'm not going to tee you up. To, I answered your question. I am going to win a bracelet. hundred percent. You will win another one. I love it. Um, yeah. All right. Well guys, we get, you can follow Joe on Instagram. Let's take a look here on which, what are you more active on? You got, take a look at some of your, your sons here. You got some family stuff. What, what do you, I Instagram see, mainly these days. Instagram mainly. I see uh, you do post some fun stuff. I did learn chip ownership on your Instagram. You do some videos and some cool stuff. So guys, make sure you give Hashem a follow there as well as his Twitter. We're going to take a few more and then we're going to let you run to LA. Um, let's see. Mick, what, give me a little bit of the future, the outlook on Australian poker. Like, is this, is it realistic that it gets passed again for online? Like what happened? It seems similar to the States. It was gray. Then all of a sudden they just turned it off out of nowhere. Like, what is going on? Can't you? You're the face of Australia poker. Can you? Can't you get in front of, uh, put a suit on and go handle this for us or for the community? What's going I've on? Been, I mean, I've been told several times by people in the know that it's inevitable that that online poker will come back. Um, and now it's just about government change and who's going to back it or not. But because it was just stupid how we got 
dumped anyway. Like, mm-hmm. um, bureaucracy, who knows, mate? You know? All right. But, but it's, it's similar Australian to- poker is very healthy. Australian right. poker is very healthy. The live scene is great. It'd be great to get the online scene back, but the live scene is great and healthy. What are guys doing? You know, your sons, per se, they're friends. What are grinders, people playing? I mean, there's there's ways they can get around it, I guess, whatever. But are people playing on apps? Are people playing on the ACR and these other kind of unregulated sites? Are they are they finding ways to play? Are people moving that you know of the serious guys in Australia? Like, what what is happening to poker grinder? If you're 25, 23 years old in Australia and you want to play for a living, what do you do? What's happening in the scene? It's it's all the above. Any of that? Any of, yeah. Any and all the above. Yeah. Whatever they can do, to, you know, the guys that are like, they're traveling overseas, living overseas, they're using, you know, different uh, apps and stuff to play. Yeah. Whatever they can, whatever works for them the best, they're all doing. All right. Two more questions. One, who is the one poker player, I guess, or person, but let's say poker player that has the biggest impact on your career in terms of poker? Maybe it was a guidance or advice or just the, the way someone you looked after or, or looked up to? Um, I remember my first poker book being TJ Cloutier's Pot Limit, No Limit Hold'em. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I read that from cover to back like 10 times. Uh, because in Australia back then, we only played Limit Hold'em. And so once Pot Limit and No Limit became available, nobody really knew how to play it well. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though by today's measures that book is quite rudimentary, it gave me a lot of basic tools to use. Okay. You know? Um, so, yeah, as far as that, it's funny that you talk about Pokemon tools. When I first started playing Hold'em in the casino, um, and I'm sure this happens to, to everyone, the guys that I thought were really good and that who I wanted to learn from, very quickly I realised how bad they were and, that I didn't want to learn from them, right. <laughs> you know? Interesting. Uh, yeah. And then I kind of became for a long time like a um, a lonely island in poker. Uh, after I won the World Series, uh, for a long time, I was the, the reference lonely island, meaning that I wasn't really talking a lot of poker with people. I was trying to just – maybe because I was just being bombarded all the time. I, I just – I didn't have the energy to to collaborate, right? Uh, but I thought I think that was uh, it's not good for your poker career. I think you, you should be constantly, um, if not studying, doing something, working, talking to other players. Because right or wrong, even if their view is totally wrong, at least it gives you a reference point to think about. You know, um, and you know, you know this for yourself. You ask ten poker players the same question and you, you get 10 different answers that's true so, yeah. right you know yeah. it's uh there's so many there's so many factors in this great game of ours that come into play um and not not any one particular way is perfect all the time you know so yeah okay i yeah and i i'm with you and what and what about what about australia like the quality of the player i mean cal burns now um there's the other player that's slipping my memory but he's like maybe regarded as the best or one of the best i think he just won one of the high rollers at the aussie millions damo yeah michael adamo yeah those guys i mean these guys are playing at really high level or it's it's uh it's really they're they're seems like they're just winning everything is there uh are those guys like the new you know kind of the are they well respected in Australia and sort of the faces of the young, young, young guys there? Yeah, 
they're the face of the young guys in poker and they're, they're doing all the hard work and they're brilliant guys. They're on tour. I mean, they, these guys are working their ass off. You've got to think about grinding. They're everywhere playing everything um, and they're, they're great kids and they're, they they do Australia proud and, you know, they're very talented. So, yeah, they're, they're the face of young poker in Australia for sure. Yeah, I had I got to like this old geezer here. <laughs> no, nah, man, you're uh, like I said, it looks like you just came from the gym. You're in good shape. You're ready for a nice long flight over to L.A. What do you do on flights that long? You, do you like to mix it up, sleep some, you do movies, you read. What's your what's your flight routine? Yeah, when you make that long trek. Watch a movie or two, read and then sleep and then wake up just before we land. I like and those long the flights. I don't mind them at all, man. It's it's comfortable sleep. Huh. Watch a movie. Get to get to get a little peace and quiet. Like cell phones off. Get turned peace off. Peace and quiet, dude. Yeah. Like peace and quiet where it's, it's just nice. yeah. I love it. I love very, it. Very nice. All right, let's uh let's do this giveaway and then we'll let you run here. On um, we're gonna be giving away a fifty five dollar ticket from Party Poker. We'll let Joe go ahead and. Tell me when. So how this is going to work, we're going to click here. We're going to go here. We're going to take the link with a lot of a lot of activity, a lot of questions, a lot of good engagement. Sorry we didn't get to all of them. Joe could be a future guest again. Definitely could be a repeat guest. We've had a few and we'll have more. Um, Joe, why don't you go ahead and tell me when. Someone's going to win this $55 ticket from Party Poker, courtesy of you right now. You just tell me when to tell me when to ship that in. When? When someone is getting a 55 ticket, maybe they'll spin it up. Pagmillion69, this guy, I think he's won several. Uh, we'll message him, get him his ticket. Congrats to you, my friend. That is a, he says he's a poet. So you got a $55 ticket. Maybe you could spin that up into the dream. And Joe, leave us with one word of advice out there. What's your new decade, new deal, new goal set, anything? Like give, it, give us something. Get, leave, leave everyone with the message from Joe Hashem man just be real dude you know like in a world of all this social media and people trying to pee you know represent things that are bullshit just be real take your glasses off and be real like you know don't have to worry about i it's sad like so many young kids are trying to be something they're not even people my age trying to be something they're not you know, just be who you are, own it, accept it. And whoever doesn't like it, tell them to go screw themselves. Like, you know, right. you know let's, let's be real. You know, like, you, you know me, you know me well enough, Jeff, that um, I'm a friendly guy, but I don't have many friends because I don't want many friends. I'm happy with the few that I have. I love them to death. I'll die for them. They'll die for me. It's all I need. You know, I don't have to impress the world. You know, be true to yourself and love yourselves. Love yourself. It's true. It's a crazy world out there, Joe. Safe travels. Thank you for your time. And I will see you. I won't see you in LA, but I'm sure I'll see you in Vegas again. We'll have a nice dinner and catch up, man. Appreciate it so much. Really enjoyed it. And again, this will be on Jeez, all different outlets, uh, podcast outlets, and you guys can watch on YouTube. So thanks again. Safe travels. See you soon, Joe. Thank you. Okay, Matt. Thank you. All right, guys, that's Joe Hash from 2005 World Series of Poker, main event champion, also WPT champion, legend of the game, great guy, and I hope you enjoyed. And we will have a podcast tomorrow with Rafa Morales, one of the Brazilian super crushers and great guy as well. So many interesting people coming up. Enjoy. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Be good. Thanks again to Joe. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. 
Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.